You're listening to Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. I'm your host, Chloe Puff. Well, I am really excited to introduce somebody that I think you guys are absolutely going to love. Um, My friend Gina Starbuck is here with us today. And I'm going to read her bio because she's freaking awesome and I want to make sure I don't miss a thing. So she is an intuitive coach and an energetic alchemist. She is powerful and, oh, excuse me, she helps powerful, empathetic women break free from the confines of who they think they should be and embrace who they truly are so that they can rebirth and emerge as their authentic, expressive selves. Woo! That's just like fire right out the gate. So Gina is a Reiki master. She's an NLP practitioner, transformational life coach, and master teacher of embodied movement. So Gina, holy cow, (laughs) you're freaking amazing. I would love for you to just kind of dive in and just tell us a little bit about what it is you do. What are all these awesome titles that you hold? (laughs) Okay, sounds good. I know it's a lot to take in and I, in full transparency, am still figuring out how to actually articulate what it is that I do because it's really so different based on the person, based on what's happening in the present moment with the person I'm working with or the group that I'm working with. It's so, you know, I call it like, custom curated by source (laughs) not really about me I'm just like the conduit that this other intelligence moves through and whether I'm doing that in a Reiki session or I'm teaching a dance class a movement class or whether I'm one-on-one with someone in a mentorship container like if you just strip everything else away and the, the how that's essentially what it is. I'm just transferring this beautiful source energy to the best of my ability through me into the space. And um, lately, I've been calling myself like an energetic midwife Ooh. because it feels like my calling is really around helping people specifically inside of those big transitions where, you know, something happens and it could be something tiny it could be something huge right we're all like we all die a thousand deaths even in this body and and are born into some other iteration of ourselves but where i tend to have the most magic and the most um powerful ways of supporting people is in those moments where someone is like okay i'm clearly not who i used to be and oftentimes what comes with that is a sense of like, my world is crumbling, right? Like something yeah. is collapsing, something is dying off. Um, but there's this, I'm not what I used to be, but I also can see what's coming, but I'm just not quite there yet. So it's mm. like my biggest, um, I guess I would say, I don't necessarily know how to define it, but the space where I feel the biggest calling to come in and help people is in that in between. like in the birth canals of life. Ooh, yes. Oh my gosh. And you're, I mean, you're talking to a postpartum trainer. So I'm like, yes, birth canal. (laughs) Yes, midwife. (laughs) I love that. That's such a, that to me gives me a better sense of what you do. Um, And I mean, 
I think just watching you on social media and the things that you put out, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't really know what you officially do, but I know that your energy is so powerful and you're always coming from a place of giving of this wonderful energy. And so I'm, I'm grateful that we get to talk today and I get to find out more about what you do um, because it is, I think overall just so important for people to just get the support they need at the end of the day. And however we can provide that is incredible. So I have so many questions, <laughs> all oh, the questions. I'm sure you do. Cause it's like, we could break every little thing down to like, what is Reiki? What, yeah. what is this? What is that? But you know, I'm just happy to be here for your question. Yeah, absolutely. So really what I would love to do is, um, because most of what I do, at least on the podcast, um, focuses a lot more on like the mindset um, behind wellness, uh, the obviously the physical part of wellness. So I would love for you to just kind of maybe guide us through some of the things that you do in terms of like, how is, how is it that you provide, how is it that you are the conduit for um, breaking through these confines. If I were a client and I came to you, um, I guess my question is like, what does that journey with you actually look like? That's a great question. It really, um, takes form in many, many different ways, but let me just feel into what <laughs> wants to present itself. Yeah. I'll speak to just if someone is, is working with me, like in a mentorship container, like, yeah, because there's also, I have like a co-creation with another woman who does similar work and we do retreats and we do two-on-one mentorships and there's all kinds of stuff, but really, um, I would say that when you speak to, you know, the mindset, I hear you saying that like mindset is also connected to physicality. Yes. It's also connected to spirituality. And so when someone comes to me, the first step is really about feeling into like what is required for you to feel whole. Different for everybody again, and it comes back to what I said before, right? Depending on even where we are in life, like currently for me, I'm in a phase personally of like really reclaiming my physical well being. And sometimes we move, we, we, we kind of move in pieces. And yeah. so, like I know my journey for about the last five and a half years, I took a big hit with birthing my daughter and just there was some trauma involved there and then there were some massive physical effects of that trauma and so I was dealing with hypothyroidism and like couldn't lose weight and you know the emotional aspects of just being a mom who went through all of that didn't really have much support didn't have the village and so for me my personal journey looked a lot like doing this spiritual quote unquote work and really reclaiming like those pieces and parts of my spirit and my soul that had like fractured off or mm. had a little bit rattled or, or 
I don't necessarily love to use this word, but misaligned. And then once all of those pieces really got called back in, it really opened the path for me to more um, powerfully and more appropriately, like get back fully, fully into my physical body. So mm, yeah. it depends on where a person's at. My intention is always to look at the whole picture and to make moves in all areas, right? To make moves in your emotional health, to make moves in your physical health, to make moves in your spiritual well-being. And everyone needs something different depending on where they are. So step right. one is kind of looking at and being with, based on what I hear the client saying, based on their body language, based on scanning their energetic field, and I do something I call going into their cellular grid so I can see energetically, intuitively, where things might be kind of out of place. And then from there, we just kind of piece by piece start to call all of those things back in. I would say, you know, for me, I have recognized that it takes a willingness and we'll hear, we hear coaches say that all the time, right? You have to be willing. You have to want it. You have right. to want to go there. But even like behind that is oftentimes there's, there's nuance because there's a desire, but until we can create like this space of safety yeah. for someone to even feel safe and ready to maybe push their edges or to look at that trauma that's been holding them captive or to yeah. really look at themselves in the mirror and go, oh, I'm not happy with where my body is right now. And I, and I don't know what to do. It's like, we, we've got to look at all of those things and see where we can come in and create the safety and create that spark that's going to even allow movement to occur. So yeah. that's step one. Questions yeah. <laughs> from there. Yeah. Wow. I, I resonate with that because um, something that I coach clients on all the time, or at least remind clients, is that your brain's job is to keep you safe. And our mammalian brains, you know, when we're faced with some sort of adversity, are either going to go into fight or flight. Um, and that you know, that can either work for or against you, but just creating an awareness around that response. Um, I just love, I love that you use the word safety, especially being, we won't dive into that, but a woman just in 2022 right now, like safety is crucial. Um, and if you can't feel safe in your own body and in your own mind, it's very, very hard to grow. Um, and that's a space that we need to really be able to have um, authority over because quite frankly, we're not really getting authority over our bodies anywhere else. So I, I love that you used the word safety. That's, that's well put. Ah, um, thank you. And I've just, I just want to acknowledge, I've noticed that in your work, like while you might not necessarily be saying like, hey, we're going to create a sense of safety for you to do this workout or eat this meal or whatever, I have noticed that you have a, a passion too for like, really helping people and women to understand like this is your journey. Yeah. I'm here to guide and support and nurture you. But at the end of the day, like you have the choice. And when I know for me as a coach, you know, and especially in the like spiritual realms of the work, 
it's very easy for people to kind of put you in the position of the guru or like a lot of people will say, my psychic, my spiritual mentor, ownership. And there's this codependency. And it's very easy when you do have intuitive insight, you can tell someone, okay, this is psychically what I'm seeing for someone to then place their power in you. And for me, and I've done that with coaches in the past, but for me, it's really, really important that, that I help to support people in really taking the power within themselves Yes, to have their journey be their journey because then there's so much more pride too. It's like my coach didn't actually do it for me. My coach just gave me the support that I needed and the encouragement that I needed and the information, insight, wisdom, whatever. But like I did this. Yes. And that is really, really powerful to dance that dance with people where you can say like, I'm so proud of you and it's you, like you're the one doing it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And like, if I'm being fully transparent to like you saying that sparked something. Um, I just remember growing up um, training, you know, as a dancer and everything. Um, it was really interesting to me, the dynamic of um, I've had coaches in the past where they, they almost feel like, like they own their dancers in the sense that like, all of your success is mine because I instilled that in you. I created that in you versus I am so proud that you're utilizing the tools that I gave you. Go fly, like go, go be you. And it took me a really long time to break out of that. And um, I think ultimately it caused a lot of imposter syndrome as a, as an adult, but um, you're absolutely right. And I think my goal now, knowing how I don't want to coach um, from those experiences, my whole goal is just to help women advocate for themselves and to at least take ownership of their journey because I mean, accountability, and this is, this is hopefully a little bit aligned. Maybe you feel this same sort of thing, but at least with fitness coaching, this sense of, um, or this idea around accountability is (laughs) to me, it's like a trigger word because I think people expect their quote, guru or coach or whoever to be the person that completely guides them and is almost responsible for their growth versus, you know, taking an approach where it's like, yeah, I'm here to support you and guide you, but your journey is yours. This is not, this is not, this is not me at all. Like this is all the work that you do is, is a hundred percent yours. And that's, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard as a coach. I tell you. Totally. And you know, there's just so much nuance that goes into that conversation. But yes, I am with you. I too am triggered by this like accountability freaking thing that's happening in the coaching world. Like it's not just in the fitness world. It's happening in the spiritual world. Like I just need someone to make me do it. It's like, girl, the only person that's going to make you do it is you. (laughs) Like, Uh, Well, and I feel like also just even the concept of accountability Ability to some degree, and this is like maybe an extreme viewpoint of it, but it's like there's it takes the humanity out of it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's like, and I really feel like just in general, you know, and we don't have to go too deep into this, but touching on the patriarchy, right? We've been living under this, this guise, these systems and structures and schedules and 
these like definitions of success that are completely based on literally male biology. Yeah. It is not necessarily like, and again, everyone's on a spectrum, right? Like whether you're in a female body, a male body, however you identify, like whatever, all of that has its place. And I honor all of that. But if we're just looking at the biology right of a female body and a female brain it's actually not supportive to have this constant like structured linear way of doing life of doing workouts of eating like hi most of us have menstrual cycles and we have peaks and valleys and ebbs and flows and our body needs different nourishment and different movements yeah throughout our cycles. So just these ideas of like, you know, when I hear the word accountability, it's so triggering to me because it's like this idea of like someone checking in every day. Did you do this? And like checking things off of a list. And for me, those things have their place and they have their value. And at the same time, I just feel like we've been living in that, those like boxes for so long, just generally that there's this like rebellious part of me that's like, no, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yes. And, you know, I actually like it sometimes when my clients like will often have, you know, we call it home play, right? Like your home play for the next week or the next two weeks is this. And sometimes they'll text me, they'll be like, yeah, I didn't do any of that, but yeah, this happened. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because if it didn't serve and support you to do that, it's beautiful. Like we literally are not the same person in this very moment as we were 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's like a whole, I'm very passionate about that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like, um, I, I too feel like women are not just designed for not necessarily structure, but to just fit in a box. I don't think anyone's designed to fit in a box. I think we've put these, um, these confines in our society through history because, you know, <laughs> we need some sort of order. But the fact that it hasn't evolved, um, at least in my opinion, as much as it needs to be to support these um, ideals and the fact that people are individuals and, you know, need space to, to evolve... Um, you know, that's, it's definitely a topic. Maybe I don't want to um, fully unleash just yet <laughs> on the podcast, but um, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm fiercely like for females, <laughs> like <laughs> fiercely for women, fiercely for safety, fiercely for independence. And um, yeah, I absolutely love that. And something, something that I say all the time, which honestly, if, <laughs> for those of you listening right now, you're going to hear me say this and you go, can you please stop saying this? <laughs> we know. Um, it's just this idea of tools, not rules. So instead of actually, you know, following the structure in a way that is, you know, con- confined to a certain way, it's providing the tools that you need to play within that structure. And that's why I love that you said home play rather than homework. And I think I might have to borrow that and I'll definitely credit you. Um, I think my clients would much rather prefer hearing, here's your home play for the week instead of homework for the week. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, words matter. I don't take ownership of it. Actually, the man who I learned NLP from, neurolinguistic programming, he he would say home play. Like, this is your home play. And I was like, this is perfect. That's I'm brilliant. <laughs> Forevermore. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay. Um, I'm curious, can you, can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you even got involved in what you do? And I'm sure that is a, a very interesting journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll try to keep it short because it's pretty much been a lifelong journey. Um, and I'll speak more to the like spiritual aspects, the energetics, the like quote unquote psychic things that come into play. Um, you know, from a really young age, I kind of always had this knowing that, and I, I'm going to preface this by saying my experience and my belief is that everybody is a psychic. Everybody is an energetic alchemist. Like it is actually our nature. Everyone is interconnected. We all have access to the infinite pool of wisdom that lives in the field. And yet some of us do come in a little bit more primed to work with those gifts for whatever reason, right? Like I have a belief that it's part of my purpose and especially in this phase of my life. Like there was a pre-motherhood phase of my life or my purpose was slightly different and now it's shifted. But I just always felt that I had these awarenesses, like I would see people's auras and their energy fields, I would have dreams and then they'd happen a week later or two weeks later. I mean, that happened from a time almost I could remember. And so that was part of it. And thankfully, you know, my parents weren't like super, nourishing or nurturing of it in the sense that they like went and found me a mentor or like got me books or whatever but they also didn't squash it you know there was always an inquiry around it and an interest in it and so that supported me because a lot of times when people come in with these kinds of like spiritual gifts you'll hear a lot of people tell stories of you know like I have a friend whose parents gave her an exorcism because they thought she was yeah I'm shook it's crazy, and all of her gifts actually went away until she had a near-death experience when she was around 30, and then all of her gifts like came back on board. But Okay, we're going to need to revisit that story sometime. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> but anyway, that being said, I'm thankful that they at least like had some, some interest in these things for me. And then when I was around five, we moved into this house, and our neighbor happened to be a Reiki practitioner. Oh. And- Yeah, and so I have memories, like one really big memory is I got hurt, like, I don't know, maybe I was six, seven, I I like, I don't know if I fractured my thumb or I sprained it or whatever, I just remember my thumb being swollen, like three times the size, and my neighbor coming in and saying like, hey, can I do a Reiki treatment on you, it's just energy, whatever she said, and I'm like, yeah, sure, 15 minutes later, like, there was no swelling, it was completely gone. And I just, that moment just stuck with me, like, wow, this stuff actually works. Like, this is real, this is powerful. And then not long after that, her daughter was hit by a car and nearly died. And, like, the doctors said that she would, like, if she lived at all, she would just be a vegetable the rest of her life. Like, she would never walk, never talk, nothing. And I watched this woman, my neighbor, utilize these tools, Reiki and these this energy medicine to support her daughter and coming back on board and her daughter went from being like 
essentially brain dead to now, this is like 30, 40 years later, she still has some, you know, challenges, but she walks, she talks, she writes, she reads, she interacts with people. Like she's a functioning human being and being that young and watching this occur, I just was like, yeah. I would have had a massive impact. Oh yeah. Huge. And so it always stayed with me and I just always, you know, and, and during that time, my neighbor would teach me a little bit, as much as you can teach like a six, seven-year-old. Right. <laughs> and so it just stayed with me, but then life happened and career happened and Hollywood happened and, you know, it just wasn't, <laughs> I mean, I always had an interest still in spirituality and different religions and different indigenous practices and energy and how it moves and I would play, but a little bit before my daughter came along, I think I was like 29. At that point, I'd been like touring and teaching dance all over the world. Like, I think I spent eight years straight of not being home for more than two <laughs> weeks at a time. Like, I was yep. just always on the road, always working, always flying all over the world, which was so fun and so exciting. But it started to get to a point where, like, I could literally feel, I could feel this, this thing stirring up inside of me. It was like, this is not for you anymore. And I was starting to feel like I don't even fit in this industry anymore. I don't fit in this job anymore. And I was like feeling this calling to start working with energy. And um, I didn't listen completely. I was like trying to integrate these things into my teaching of dance. Like I remember being on convention and being like, I'm going to guide you through a meditation and like going around the room and trying to offer like hands on healing to people. And there's so many years to why that didn't work at that time. And I won't get too far into it, but it got to the point where like, I feel like my spirit guides just basically uh, facilitated a complete collapse. Just that career of that life, like my health took a crash. I ended up like, okay, I'll do, I'll speak to the one like big moment. So I was in Arizona. I was teaching on a dance convention. I had been dealing with like, kidney infections, bladder stuff, TIs, and just all these really uncomfortable things. And I felt okay. I think I had at the time a UTI, but I was like, fine. I was teaching. I was doing my thing. I was like, of course, popping Advil or whatever to help with it, which right. is not something I do now much. Unless <laughs> right. And um, I had taught the day and I had a break between teaching. I was supposed to go judge competition that night and I just heard this voice come in and it was like go to the hospital right now and I'm like what like wh- why like I feel okay like yeah I have yeah. you but I'm fine like it's not that big of a deal and I was just like go to the hospital and change your life and I'm like okay so that's ominous <laughs> no but it didn't feel ominous it felt very like um like a mother, you know, like a really okay. powerful, loving mother that was firm, but was just like, this is what you need to do. So I ended up going, turns out I had a staph infection in my, was it my bladder or my kidneys? Holy and, crap. Yeah. And if that had gone on, I mean, those things can be fatal. Right. So, thank God I listened. And it was that moment that I was started to just see it was like as I was sitting I didn't go to the ER I went to urgent care but as I was sitting there waiting 
I was having like a life review, like all these moments where my intuition was trying to kick in and trying to speak to me, trying to guide me in a different direction. And I wasn't quite listening, you know? And it's not that I, that my life was terribly wrong or bad. It just, I just had been doing a lot of things out of alignment and I had been like squashing my, I, I'm going to call it my higher self's voice, you know, because yeah. I didn't, I just was so wrapped up in this identity, in this industry and like couldn't yeah. say no and had no boundaries and anyway. And there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's very common in the dance industry. Yes. So at that point, I, it initiated me starting to seek out. I found a Reiki master in LA. I started working with her as a client. And then that kind of just stumbled into like, I wanted to learn. So she became a teacher and I became a master. And then from there, I met this man in Bali who taught NLP. And we linked up and then he invited me to come do an NLP training in LA. Just all of these things, you know, and um, it's kind of a long story between that and where I am now, but like essentially my daughter was like the big, big catalyst for mm. the big switch because even after she was born, I was still trying to like do both and like have my right, favorite right. worlds, but because of the physical trauma I endured during her birth, I literally couldn't, like I could not physically do what I had been doing before. I just couldn't. And so it was just very clear to me, like it is time for a change. And, um, you know, it's taken some time to get where I am now. And it, the turnover has not been fast and not necessarily easy. But um, in this moment now, I feel really beautifully integrated. Like I'm having a full circle moment where I feel like I kind of divorced dance altogether for a while. And now there's this uh, reclamation and this integration. So I'm integrating much more like movement. I call it movement medicine into my practice. Mm, I love that. That was such a long story. <laughs> no, this it's really incredible. I love, I love hearing it. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, the journey is something to be, you know, it's... <sighs> That to me, I think the the most growth happens in those periods where you're struggling and dealing with these things. And I just always love to hear about, um, I guess, what you would call like a come to Jesus moment, where you like realize, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of meant to do, or at least having some clarity on something um, in your life. Your life, these epiphanies that happen. So, um, I love learning that about you because I knew. I knew like professionally what your history has been, but um, hearing the story behind that is really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious because I know there's probably quite a few people who still don't truly, um, I guess, understand like energetics as a whole. And I know that's like, you could probably have your own, like you could have your own podcast on, you know, various facets of this, but like, tell me, and this is something that I'm curious too. Do you feel like, like energy work, um, Reiki, those sorts of things, do you feel like they work for people who consider it to be like woo woo <laughs> or, you know, like, 
I don't know, non-believers, I guess. Do you, do you feel like this is something that you really have to be open to receiving or does it, does it truly work for anyone? I'm just curious from a, um, an unbiased standpoint here. Yeah, that's a really great question. I feel like it's a yes and answer. Okay. Because, you know, we live in a, on a planet in a dimension where we do have free will and free choice and sovereignty. And I truly believe that. And yes, there are elements of even that conversation that come in. Yes. We just look at like the energetics of a soul. Souls have choice. And so, you know, if someone is completely closed off and they just absolutely do not believe that these things work, the chances of it working are pretty, pretty slim to none. Right. So yes, there is an element of, of someone needing to be open, but sometimes the, the mind believes this doesn't work and the mind is closed off, but there's some aspect of the soul or the energetic body that is still not like I'm seeing it as like most of the time when that happens, it's not even like, oh, I'm just, I'm willing to receive this and believe this. The soul is like thirsty, like, <gasps> give it to me. Yeah. Sometimes people can be in this mental battle, but the energetics can still work and can still support, um, you know, but I, for, for the sake of um, integrity as a practitioner, as an energy medicine practitioner, you know, I'm always going to do my absolute best to receive permission to right. have the energy exchange from someone and so, you know, there's just layers to all of that as well. Um, I have noticed that oftentimes people are more receptive and the medicine, I'm going to call it the medicine, works better and more effectively when people's like mental, when their minds just get out of the way. So a lot of times people are not believers, but something happens in their life where they like just at a breaking point, they have no other option. And they're like, yeah, it's like a last ditch effort. Yeah. I'll just try this thing. And then it's like miracles can occur. Mm. So there, you know, there's, there's layers and levels to it. And, um, you know, I just always trust that that the exchange will be what it will be. Uh, but I, as a practitioner, almost, I don't want to say require, but, but, I, but I very close to require that there's a level of like willingness and openness. Right. Client, you know? I'm well, not- I mean, it requires trust. I mean, even if you have no, you know, self-trust, I feel like if you're going to see someone you're going, you're going to them for a reason. There has to be some level of like, you know, whether it's just that little tiny seed that's being planted and the rest of them says no. I mean, it's pretty similar with me. Um, but obviously there's not, there's an element of having to trust without evidence because people are coming to you or coming to me or coming to any other sort of practitioner or coach to say, this is the result that I want, or this is the things that I'm feeling. What is it, what is it that you can do to help me, you know, break through this point? And I feel like if you're not open to receiving help in any form, of course, like if you're going to close completely close off to any sort of opportunity or growth, I mean, of course you're not going to see it. So yeah, totally. It's and so- I just go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Say it's just at the end of the day, like all of these conversations are so so nuanced, you know, because it's absolutely also, like 
circumstances where, you know, you've seen studies, like scientific studies of like just a group of monks moving into a city and just sitting in meditation in this city for, I don't know what the study, I can't remember how many days, but it's like, right. the study actually showed just based on these monks coming and being in this energy and creating this field of energy around them, like crime went down and people's joy levels went up without even interacting with these meditating monks. So it's like on some level, the energy exchange is happening amongst all of our souls anyway, regardless. So, right. Yeah. Well, and you know what? My, my thought is if people can believe in Jesus, for example, without, quote, scientific evidence, why is it that we can't be open to also believing in, you know, spiritual uh, um, or, you know, energies as an example? Or maybe it's just the, the words themselves are what, you know, turns people off to it or... For me, I mean, I don't talk about what my my beliefs are, but I'm very open to at least like receiving different things because knowledge is is power. And if we're going for science, I actually recently heard um, actually one of the panelists that I um, had the pleasure of sitting down with and doing this uh, women's empowerment panel at a recent event. Um, she was talking about, um, and I can't remember what the actual study was. I'll have to reach out to her. There was a study scientifically measuring the vibrations of human energy. I don't know exactly how they did that, but it's proven that you have up to like a 12 foot span of vibrational energy. Like to me, I'm just like, that's crazy. I want to know more about that. Like, I feel like, you know, that's, there's something to be said for just connection and energy or however you want to word it or um, whatever, I guess, whatever verbiage makes you feel the most comfortable. Um, But I truly, I mean, I truly believe that, you know, whether it's monks sitting down and, and chanting or praying or, you know, just the way that we interact with people does have have impact. impact. (laughs) I mean, at like the very base level and I just, man, I'm, I'm so curious about what it is that you do because it's not something I'm super um, studious about, but always very curious and, and open to, to hearing. So love I, love, <laughs> I love it so much. So I, I want to dive into what you said um, before we connected here. You were talking about motherhood as a spiritual practice, and that just sends all the flags up. I want to hear all about that. So please <laughs> have at it. Um, well, there's, again, like so many aspects of the conversation, but my belief, my experience in becoming a mother is that no matter how it goes, whether your actual birthing journey, you know, is really easy and fluid and smooth, whether there's trauma involved, whether, you know, you become a mother and you have a ton of support, you don't, like whatever it looks like, whether your body snaps back or it doesn't, that we are without a doubt rebirthed when we become a mother. Like it's literally, I mean, there's, there's tons of, um, 
not like scientific studies, but there's just stories that have been passed through, you know, different cultures around the archetypes, even the feminine archetypes, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. Mm. And even if a woman doesn't become a physical mother, we all will move through each of the archetypes. But, you know, when you become a mom, like you, the you that you were before your child was born, and this happens with each child, it dies. And you have to then be birthed into something new. And so with that awareness, you automatically are kind of catapulted into motherhood as a spiritual practice, right? <laughs> that is the perfect word for that because I was like, uh, yep, that was my experience just <laughs> flying towards a new, a new self. It was wild. Yeah, and, and it's, it's literally unavoidable. It is impossible. You cannot set yourself up in a way where you're not catapulted into motherhood as a spiritual practice. And when I say spiritual practice, I simply mean that the spirit, the soul, is in the, on the journey of learning and changing and growing and, and taking a new form. And so my desire is, and what I really bring forward with my clients who are moms or who, who even are in like the motherhood phase of their life, is looking at how can I take this journey of motherhood and, and let it be my medicine, like let it be my teacher, let it be my church, however you want to look at it. Because even if you're not considering yourself a spiritual person, even if you don't meditate or pray or whatever, motherhood itself is such a powerful, um, I just keep hearing the word teacher. So I'm just going to say it again. That, that feels, you know, what's crazy to me though, is that that is that the word, that, word that, sticks. that sticks with me the most. Motherhood uh, is a teacher for sure. That feels the most aligned with me. Yeah, and that may be why that's the word that I keep hearing. <laughs> Are you reading my mind over there? Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's like how can you just be with motherhood and all that it throws at you and let it be um, a process of devotion, you know, mm. devoting yourself to that teacher that is, motherhood and not in a way where you're self-sacrificing or where you're mm. only identifying as mother, but where you truly can um, receive this gift of motherhood as a teacher and sit with all of the things that come up, you know? Mm -hmm. there's the good so, and the bad. Yeah, and there's so much in there. And I just really believe my experience is that our children are really here to show us all of both the most beautiful, epic, powerful aspects of ourselves and the darkest, most challenging, you know, traumatized, unhealed aspects of ourselves. Hmm. And so even if you don't pray or meditate or journal or whatever, even just being with this motherhood, like energy, you know, as a, teacher as a medicine I'm going to call it a medicine woman you know is really powerful and that can look so many different ways I like yeah. to 
sit in conversation. Like I like to imagine that motherhood, the energy of motherhood and my experience of motherhood, I look at it both ways. I look at it as like me as a mother and then just motherhood archetypically across the spectrum, just mm. the energy of motherhood and what's happening globally. And I just like sit and ask questions and inquire and like sometimes even ask for support. And it's, I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, but this is just a concept that's been really um, on my heart. And I know that it's in the collective as well. Because mm. again, I'm going to go ahead and say the patriarchy has, has really um, done a good job of making motherhood a burden. Yes. And it, it doesn't have to be that. And there's mm. some aspect of that, I feel, in all of us in this culture because it's a cultural uh, trauma. It's a cultural yeah. trauma. It's like... So I'm definitely are, feeling that right now, for sure. Yeah, I am too. I mean, and how are we not to feel <laughs> burden? Because none of us have a fucking village. Like, right? Truly, <laughs> it's not. It's not designed that way. And and you know, just dealing with moms, like specifically with healthcare, because patriarchy, healthcare, very aligned. And that's something that I deal with all the time. Is like it's crazy the disparities uh, for women, particularly postpartum. If we're talking about motherhood. You know, there's, if you look at like actual like statistical things, uh, moms, it's like zero weeks paid time off in, in the United States. And meanwhile, there's like six months over in Russia uh, and they have people like coming over and over to your house in the Netherlands. Like, um, you know, a doctor comes over and actually checks on you up to six months postpartum up to a year. And it's like, how are you doing mom? Because in America, once the baby's out, it's like, good luck with motherhood. Let's just focus on your child. But then sidebar, we're not going to provide them with enough formula. We're not going to provide breastfeeding support. We're not going to provide any postnatal support. So good luck. <laughs> Enjoy that motherhood. Yeah. Like, oh, fires me up. Me too. And it's just really sad. And I can sense that there may be someone or a couple people that hear this that go, really? Like you're trying to to motherhood as a spiritual practice like I'm depressed and sad and barely making it and I, mm. I I can't do that for myself and you know I was in that position for a while like I had postpartum depression I as did I yeah and you know the only thing I can really say is like it, it's okay if you're not in a place yet where you can receive motherhood as a spiritual practice like if it's not for you just dump it for now and yeah. you know it it really it can only take form again it goes back to that like container of safety only when you feel safe to sit with motherhood in that way will it be time to do that and if you're not there yet like my encouragement would be to seek support and, and lean into the places and the spaces where you can just receive whatever you need to receive in the moment. Because the other thing about it is like in a perfect world where we all had our village and our support and where, 
you know, like I dream of, I like literally as a soul remember what it was like in ancient times where we were in these red tents and all the aunties and the grandmas and like the village women were there together. Just like, I know I'm getting emotional too. I see you. Where we were all just there to love on a birthing mother and nourish her and take care of her and rub her feet and, you know, shower her with flowers and just all yeah. these beautiful things. In that case, it becomes a lot easier to be like, yo, yeah, this is a spiritual experience. And most of us don't have that right now. Yeah. So, you know, it again, it's like until you really feel safe to go there, it's okay that that you're not going there. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, am I I'm I'm just emotional because I feel like like when I, when I had my son, I was, I didn't realize I was so still severely depressed um, um, from, you know, having my daughter, I dealt with postpartum depression that went undiagnosed. And then I had another baby and it was so severe. And, you know, initially I had so much support with my mom and then, you know, my dad got sick and, uh, my village just kind of became a village of one because it was just me and my my husband travels for work and for a long time it didn't feel like motherhood was enjoyable and I had this feeling of isolation like um, and guilt because I was like I'm supposed to be enjoying this because I think the depiction of motherhood in in media is that it's this beautiful beautiful moment you look at your baby and you feel aligned and you feel your purpose swell within you and I looked both times uh and it took me a long time to like be able to voice this but both times I gave birth I looked at my baby and I didn't feel overcome with joy I felt terrible fear and I I felt like you know how am I supposed to do this and that it was it was really um it was, it was really painful for me to realize that that's how I felt. Um, and I felt so much guilt because I didn't realize that that was, that is considered normal too. But, you know, people don't talk about those hard things. We only talk about how, how it's quote supposed to feel and how it's supposed to be. Meanwhile, there's so many women suffering, um, and going through motherhood experiences that they don't deserve, but it's the way the system is set up. And it just makes me so sad. It just makes me so painfully sad. The fact that like, you know, that not only are we sometimes losing our sense of self becoming mothers and not knowing how to regain that or reclaim that, or even just find it. Um, but you know, just having all these, not feeling like motherhood is a teacher, or that or that motherhood is solely painful. Um, and it it wasn't until, honestly, until probably really recently, like within the last year or so, that I finally stopped feeling like um, motherhood was something that was blocking me um, from you know being my best self. That it was a part of what gives me my strength. And I think there's probably a lot of women listening to this that, you know, maybe feel emotional too, because, you know, they don't have the support that they need. Um, and I, I think 
just the conversation around feeling safe, whether that's, you know, in your environment or in your own, like in your own self, (laughs) feeling safe mentally. It's, it's, it's very powerful and very, very underestimated how important that is and how crucial that is for you to actually thrive in that, in that season for sure. Yes. Thank you for sharing all of that. Well, thanks for making me cry on my own podcast, Gina. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've got to have somewhere to place our sadness, to place our pain, to place our anger, whatever it is, you know, those things are, are underexpressed in our culture. And so, you know, just thank you for being willing to go there and for sharing your story, you know, because I really feel like part of the, the remedy, part of the healing of all of this, where there are so many mothers that are not having that immediate, oh, I'm in love with my baby. I didn't have that yeah. either. I was like so high on drugs that they pumped yeah. that I could, like I, I was somewhere else. Like I was out in outer space, you know? Yeah. The amount of guilt and shame I found around that so long it's so painful because again there just aren't that many people talking about it so you being willing to say like this was my experience that's medicine yeah you know life isn't isn't a pampers commercial it's not always (laughs) just like you know beautifully made up women receiving their babies you know who are completely gooless and perfect (laughs) and latch on perfectly and life just snaps into place like you know oh there was the missing puzzle piece it's it's hard it's really hard it's really hard and you know it sounds like for you for me it it, that connection with her that it wasn't just a moment in time it was like oh this is the missing piece right It, it was a journey to really fully arrive there and and that's okay yeah that's just part of the human condition. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Really hear you and all of that. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I was just talking about, um, just over the weekend, I was talking about how I realized that my kids are like my course correctors uh, without knowing it because um, I've been able to like really, now that they're, now that they're at an age where like their personalities are like really just so prominent. I mean, my almost six year old is just, I'm like, you are so incredible. Like, I don't want to be like biased because she's my daughter and I created her, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm just so in awe of like just her heart. And then, you know, even though my, my boy is still a toddler He's just got so it's he's just so hilarious and so kind and thoughtful and I'm like these when I see those things happen and you know these little pieces of them that like really stick with you I feel like if you're if you're a parent you know exactly what I'm talking about like you see like just those little moments that you just will remember forever and um I'm like that's a direct reflection of me. Like, I think I'm doing okay. Like we're doing okay. And then, you know, when I see my kids sad or hurting, um, um, you know, you know, it's, it's my opportunity to course correct myself in the ways that, you know, I've dealt with my own emotions, uh, you know, to be able to help them feel safe in that moment to be like, 
you know, either, you know, this is what my mom did for me that just felt so right. Or, you know, maybe this is, oh man, I remember feeling like this was missing from my childhood and I'm able to like, like help in that moment, or at least just like be there in that moment. And they're just constantly growing me as they're growing. And it's crazy because they have no idea (laughs) and they're just amazing little humans. Yes. I just, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, man. and really, like this just brings it brings it to a really powerful place. Because something that I was kind of wanting to bring forward and touch on before in this conversation, like, what do you even do for clients? You know, yes, there are elements of like claiming your voice and figuring out who you are authentically, and you know, like tapping into your intuition and all of the things, right? But oftentimes what I'm doing is just creating a space for a person to have their emotions out there and, and feel safe and just be seen and just be witnessed. And mm. what is missing in our culture so much, what I, again, remember on the soul level used to happen in ancient times, is letting people be seen in all of their expressions, not just the socially acceptable, you know, praiseworthy parts. Like if you are having postpartum depression, having a space where you can just be and cry and yell and express your confusion and feel defeated for a moment. Yeah. Have someone literally holding you in that field. And that's what we do as mothers, as mothers who are mothering as a spiritual practice, as mothers who are, you know, I don't want to use the word striving, but that's what's coming forward, striving to be healthy and whole and to reclaim pieces and parts of our childhood that didn't exist. It's like, that's what we do. We hold our children in all of their iterations and we just Mm -hmm. love them. And just witness them and we show them it's okay like it's okay that this is happening yeah okay that you feel this way and we show them that regardless of whether they feel shame around the feeling that they're not any less worthy of love and acknowledgement mm. acceptance and really i'm arriving at if you really want to know that's what i what i do if you really want to know what i do that's what i do yeah. <laughs> oh man. Mothering my clients. I, I love that. <laughs> and we we all need that. And I feel like, you know what? A, a mom to me is such a great example of like what community and connection can look like. So I feel like that totally that makes sense. You saying that, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's so great. So are you able, just curious, before you wrap this up. Would you feel comfortable or able um, to like walk the listeners through something, whether it be like a meditation or some sort of, I don't know, I, whatever feels the most, um, whatever feels best for you. I would love to get this in real time. Or yeah, let's do it. I brought in this Jasper heart earlier. Oh, that's so beautiful. I wish you guys could see this. That's gorgeous. Um, 
Jasper is like a really nurturing, grounding stone. And I was feeling that I have two pieces of Jasper with me. So with that, I feel like we can go into some uh, nurturing space. So I'm just going to encourage you, Chloe, to join me. Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Sorry, I'm going to turn off the air conditioner now so I'm not distracted. There you go. Okay, so let's just start by shaking it out. You can stand up or stay seated. Well, I'm attached to my computer, so. (laughs) In your car, that's fine. Maybe if if somebody is listening and you're in your car and you're able to pull over, go for it. But just keep shaking, shaking out any loose energy, any static, anything that just needs to be broken loose. And then when you feel good, I'm going to invite you to actually open your chest, open your heart up. So if it feels right, you can place your hands on your chest and just maybe apply a little pressure there, but feeling your back kind of squeezing together for a moment. So the front of your heart space can really just open. And then we're going to do the reverse. So we're going to contract the front of the chest and open the back of the heart space. Your head will probably go down, that's perfect. I'm just gonna breathe some light into the back of the heart space. And when you feel ready, you can find a space that feels more neutral in your body, just a neutral position. Taking a big breath in. Exhaling, letting go. (sighs) Taking another big breath in. Holding it at the top if you can, feeling your shoulders dropping all the way down to the earth beneath you. And when you feel ready, let it go. We're gonna do one more of those. In, out. Placing your hands somewhere on your body that feels comfortable and supportive. Just letting yourself sink into the breath to the best of your ability, knowing that Everything that I offer here is simply a suggestion, just an invitation. There's no obligation here. I invite you now to imagine that you're surrounded by a tube of light. Whatever color that light is, just let yourself be enveloped by that light. Feeling the light penetrating your skin, your cells, your heart, your blood, your bones, your tendons and ligaments, all aspects of your body that are ready and willing to receive this all-encompassing light, just being filled, taking a couple more deep breaths in and out. Trusting that any thoughts that come forward for you are perfect. We just receive and accept every aspect of your experience. 
Just letting every aspect be integrated into the light. There is no thing that should be pushed away. All aspects coming all the way in now. Just feeling into your heart, noticing what's present. And then take a big breath in through the mouth and you're gonna imagine like you're swallowing this liquid light of heart energy and love. Mm, let it go all the way down. to this space in a moment, not yet, but in a moment. Before we do, just continuing to drink in that light, feeling the heart, and just asking without requiring an answer or requiring anything of yourself, just being an inquiry, asking the heart, what do you have for me today? Maybe they'll show you, <laughs> it will show you a color or tell you a message or maybe it's not so clear, but just trusting that the heart is there to teach you. We're gonna drop that heart energy all the way down now to the belly, just feeling the connection between the two and you're going to ask the question now from your heart and your womb your belly is there anything you need from me the body might chime in what do you need from me today how can i support you today heart womb body self And if it's clear or not, if you have a definite knowing of the conversation, or if you don't, or if it's just, you're just here in the space, just trusting that whatever is occurring for you is perfect for you. Hmm. I'm going to share a message here came forward you just keep breathing if your body wants to move that's fine this is your experience trust in what your heart yearns for without concern about how it will manifest take steps forward toward that which moves your heart reach out for what your soul wants and needs allow yourself to be vulnerable for only then can you be truly held? That which appears out of reach or unavailable to you is closer than you realize. One more big breath. 
On the exhale, you're gonna make sound. Shake it out when you're ready. <laughs> ah, a little impromptu. Hmm. So there's just a reminder for whoever's arrived at this space that you're enough. <laughs> Seems so simple, but it wants to be known you are more than enough. You are valued and respected and loved and you're worth it. Whatever it is, you are worth it. When you're ready, you can come on back to this space. If you're listening and want to pause this, the journal, <laughs> and write down what came forward, great. And if not, that's fine too. My lighter just keeps not working. I'm trying to light some sage here. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's funny. Um, you were saying... Um, like listen to what your your body needs and like the, the word this just bolded because funny enough um right before this call i i had to facetime a friend um because i was like completely dissociated all morning it felt really off really bad um because i haven't had time to recharge or space to recharge. So that's exactly what I needed. I needed a moment, moment, moment to like not be anything or do anything. So thank you. That was exactly what I needed. Perfect. Yours. My dog wanted to join in on that too. He's <laughs> over here now like, oh, I feel you. You're so calm. Yeah, <laughs> so he's getting rubs. Always come. Like when oh, we, yeah. my business partner and I do these like monthly group community healing Zoom calls <laughs> if anyone wants to join us we can check. yeah absolutely um and they pay what you can and like literally every single time there's at least one animal who like once we go into the meditative process <laughs> just oh, show yeah. up it wants to suck it all in i mean look at look at look at him right, right now he's just very relaxed he's he's very happy normally he's my uh neurotic <laughs> anxiety boy so he's a happy guy right now good hey, thanks gina yeah are you talking hey thanks gina <laughs> so funny well thank you so much for doing that that's the absolutely i think that just needs to be how i end every single episode from now on <laughs> just use the clip from this one that's awesome well, so before I um, let you go, can you please tell us where we can connect with you? Absolutely. So easiest is probably to just follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm like the most active. It's just at Gina Starbuck. Also, my co-creation um, is at Awake and Soulful. Um, and then there's GinaStarbuckCoaching.com if you want to book a session or learn more about how you can do that, what that looks like. And there's also awakeandsoulful.com. So there's a lot of offerings in a lot of ways. 
Um, I also did want to share, if it's okay, just about something that's coming up. That's really please do. Yeah, please. <laughs> there are other things happening between now and then, but in October, Elise and I are hosting a 100-woman immersive healing experience. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be in Sarasota, Florida. It's a three-day um, event where we'll be doing some sound healing. We're doing an ecstatic dance party. Some oh, I want to be a part of that. Yes. <laughs> some hands-on energy healing, yoga on the beach, all kinds of other things amidst all of that. And we've got um, like our whole team of women that we have trained and mentored that are going to be there helping to hold the space. So we've got guest facilitators and vendors that are coming that are bringing epic products, um, ceremonial cacao and all kinds of other things. And our tickets are on sale now and we're just so ready for everyone to come and experience um, not just the healing for yourself, that's incredible and that's important, but really our intention and what we see happening with this is that women can come and receive and get aligned and get lit up and then go and share that energy and that light with the rest of the world. Like we really are after creating these ripple effects of love. Yeah. <laughs> so. that's, you know, that's, that's very, very important to just con continue paying it forward essentially. And I love that. And I'll be sure if you send me that link, I will make sure to link that in the show notes. So for those of you who want to buy tickets, um, I'm going to link it directly in the show notes. So just click, click see, more. see more and go buy your tickets. Yeah. And I'll um, have a discount code for you too. Oh, yay. That would be awesome. Cool. Yeah, I hope to make it too. I'm putting that on my calendar. That sounds amazing. It, Definitely yeah. need some of that. <laughs> for moms, you know, even just like being somewhere for three days where you don't have to like cook or clean up or answer to anybody else's needs. Yes. Your needs take the forefront. It's those moments are epic. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm definitely overdue for one of the, <laughs> one of those. Just some me time, some real me time. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Gina, for coming on and sharing your gifts and your knowledge. And, and man, this has been really powerful for me. So I'm hoping it's equally as powerful for those that are listening right now too. Thank you. It's so good to see you and connect with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, be bold, be fit.